Welcome back to Idgits and Aspets. I'm Rochelle. And I'm Lynn. And today we have a very special guest. It's my dad. His name is Mark Imlay. He's extensively studied all world religions. He's a physician, an acupuncturist and chiropractor, well-respected in his field. He's taught meditation since 1973. He's a naturalist, led interpretive walks at local parks for 25 years, and just finished a book of mystical poetry called Pilgrimages to a Bullfrog Buddha, available August 1st, 2020 from Amazon Kindle. Say hi, Dad. Hi, that's my plug for the episode. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. So today we are talking about season five, episode 19, called Hammer of the Gods. We start out in Muncie, Indiana. A car pulls into a shutdown motel called Elysian Fields. We Googled how to say that. I thought it was Elysian, but what is it really? Elysian. Elysian Fields. Isn't there a beer? There is a beer, and it's my favorite beer. So you think that I would know better, but no. Nope. So it means like paradise, either as a paradise, paradisical place or a paradise state of mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just thought it yeah. was a beer brand. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It is the best beer, though. They have a really good IPA that's got jasmine in it, so it just tastes like flower beer. See, that's so. just not... I don't like beer to begin with, so like adding flowers to that just seems like something that shouldn't be done. <laughs> oh, it's good. Really? I thought I was the only one in the world who didn't like the taste of beer. No, I don't like it. It tastes kind of like vomit. There's a couple of them that like I've been able to like kind of drink, but not not so much. <laughs> well, do you guys do you guys know who invented beer? No. The ancient Egyptians were the ones who invented beer. I could see that. They're pretty, they pretty sophisticated. Uh, and it was also used as a means of preserving calories because, uh, you know, they didn't have refrigerators or things like that. And if you made something into an alcoholic beverage, then it would you know, stay there. And alcohol is kind of a uh, extensive, Natural killer. <laughs> amount of extensive amount of sugar. And so there's a lot of calories in alcohol. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. Cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, a security guard walks in with a flashlight. He hears what sounds like furniture being moved around, so he investigates. He walks by a dead plant, which suddenly begins to bloom. He walks around calling out hello, and then he notices a broken mirror begin to repair itself. He turns around, and there's a dude in a suit and a bow tie standing there who says, hiya. The security <laughs> guard says, buddy, you cannot be here. Bow tie guy, whose name is Mercury, says, of course I can. Someone's going to get everything ready. They're coming, all of them. And we've each got our part to play, even you. The security guard's like, what? And Mercury says, your dinner. And then he grabs the guy and blood splatters onto the wall. And we get our opening title sequence. So we cut to Sam and Dean running out of the rain into the newly fancy looking Elysian Fields Hotel. There's a lot of people in the lobby. Dean says, nice digs for once. They check in with Mercury, who is at the front desk. Dean says, busy night. Mercury says, any port in a storm, I guess. Dean's got some blood on his neck, and Mercury says, Sir, I think you've got a little shaving nick there. And then he hands him a Kleenex and the room key. Dean asks, Hey, you wouldn't happen to have a coffee shop, would you? Mercury says, Buffet, all you can eat, best pie in the tri state area. <laughs> to which Dean is like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yep, you can get Dean with pie. <laughs> Dean says, You don't say. So we cut to Dean at the dessert table. He's got two plates. A man standing next to him says, Heaven, right? Dean says, Trust me, pal, this is better. As Dean is walking back to Sam, huh? Oh, that's it. 
I, ha- I have a thought about that later. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I was just giggling to myself. <laughs> okay. As Dean is walking back to Sam, he passes a beautiful woman. He stops and says, how you doing? She says, no, without even looking at him. <laughs> Dean says, but she says, no. Dean says, oh, lady, I'm just, you know, she says, I understand. And no. Dean says, 10-4. Yeah. So he walks over to Sam's table and sits down. Dean says, Sam, unpucker, man, eat something. Sam says, <laughs> clench Sam everything. Says, clench and run. <laughs> okay. That's one of our mottos, Dad. <laughs> but like, you can't clench and run at the same time. Things will happen. <laughs> you either clench or you run. This. I think we I think we tried this once and you can clench and run. You just run kind of funny. I mean, this is oh, I think we did, didn't we? We were in your living room trying to clench everything and run at the same time. <laughs> we did it. I think we succeeded. I think we succeeded, but it would not be successful for a long period of time. It'd be like enough to like clench everything and run to the bathroom if you were in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's where you should be headed anyways, if you have to clench everything. Yes, this is true. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Um, Sam says, we should hit the road, Dean. Dean says, in this storm? What? It's, Sam says, it's biblical. Exactly. It's freaking Noah's Ark out there and we're eating pie. (laughs) Dean says, how many hours of sleep did you get this week? What? Three? Four? Bobby's got his feelers out, okay? We have talked with every hoodoo man and root woman in 12 states. What's a root woman? I don't know. Like an herbalist. And, oh, and like roots, kind of, like actual roots. Yeah. And it kind of like, uh, you know, uh, herbalists of the pagan era in Europe were considered witches, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of is a reference to that sort of thing. Okay, cool. <laughs> <clears throat> Sam says, yeah, well, I'm not giving up. Dean says, nobody's giving up, especially me. We're going to find a way to beat the devil, Okay soon i can feel it and we'll find Cass, and we'll find adam but you are no good to me burnt out sam nods and says yeah okay dean says come on we've actually got the night off for once let's try to enjoy it a waitress walks by and we follow her into the kitchen where we see a severed hand on a chopping block yuck that's that's a health code violation (laughs) for sure (laughs) for sure it is (laughs) yep uh, Sam and Dean are. Has that hand been certified <laughs> by the FDA? Uh, as Sam and Dean are walking to their room, they pass by an open door where a couple is making out and giggling. Dean does a finger gun at them, <laughs> and Sam says, "Oh, what are you, twelve? Dean says, "I'm young at heart." So they go into the room, and Dean whistles and says, "Wow, look at this! We're like Rockefellers." He finds chocolate on the pillows, and Dean asks Sam, "You want yours?" Sam says, "Knock yourself out." Dean grabs a pamphlet and says, whoa, Casa Erotica 13 on demand. Sam scoffs. Dean says, what? Sam says, isn't this, uh, he says, isn't this place kind of in the middle of nowhere? Dean's like, so? Sam says, so what's a four-star hotel doing on a no-star highway? That's a fair then question. They, it is. <laughs> then they hear the couple next door having sex. They laugh. Then the walls break in a little, like something heavy hit them. So they go to investigate. The room next door is completely empty of people, but Dean finds a diamond ring on the carpet. So we cut to Sam and Dean talking to Mercury at the front desk. Dean says, the room next to ours, the couples that are joined at the lips, have you seen them? Mercury says, Mr. and Mrs. Logan, the honeymooners, they checked out. Is something the matter? Sam says, they checked out? Mercury says, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, just now. 
Sam says, really? It sort of seemed like they were in the middle of something. <laughs> he says, creeps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They just sound like creeps no matter which way they, they say it. <laughs> they do sound crazy. You're right. <laughs> Dean says, yeah, it's kind of weird for honeymooners to check out with that. It's kind of weird for honeymooners to check out without this. And he holds up the ring. Mercury says, I'll just put that in the lost and found. Don't you worry. Is there anything else I can help you with? Dean says, oh, no, we're good. Mercury says, super fantastic. The boys walk away and Sam says, creepy. Dean says, broke the needle. All right, well, I'll scope out the joint and you keep your eye on Norman Bates over there. I mean, one night off. Is that too much to ask? So we cut to Sam following Mercury down a hallway. It dead ends, but Mercury has vanished. Then a cut magically appears on Sam's neck. We cut to Dean walking down a hallway, EMFing. He walks <laughs> past a room with its door open, and there's an elephant picking up a towel with its trunk. Dean walks by again, and instead of an elephant, there's a guy wearing only a towel. The guy says, this ain't no peep show, man. And then he closes the door. So we cut to the beautiful woman that Dean was hitting on. Her name is Callie, and she's there with a man named Balder. Balder? Did I say that right? Sure. Balder? Boulder? Balder? Okay. I, I went with Balder. Yeah. Hold on. He puts a necklace around her neck and says, you're beautiful. She says, you're sweet. I hate sweet. Then Mercury is there. He clears his throat and says, sorry to interrupt. The last guest just arrived. Balder says, so everything's ready? Mercury says, as it ever will be. Pantry's full. Balder says, and the Winchesters? Mercury says, suspicious, but under control. Callie says, you have their blood? Mercury says, of course I do. And then he moves impossibly fast over to her and holds up two vials of blood. He says, I'm quick. Boys never even knew what hit them. Callie says, thank you, Mercury. Balder says, okay, let's get the show on the road. So we cut to Sam and Dean walking together through the lobby. Sam asks, an elephant? Dean says, yeah. Sam says, like an elephant? Dean says, like full-on babar. Sam says, so what the hell is? And then he sees that the lobby is empty. Sam says, where is everybody? Sam tries the front door, but it doesn't budge. Dean says, let me guess, it's locked. So what, the roaches come in, but they don't check out. The roaches check in, but they don't check out. <laughs> Sam, Roach hotel. Yep. <laughs> Sam says, think about how we got here. That detour on I-90, the friggin' hurricane. Dean says, you saying that we were led here? Sam says, like rats in a maze. They go into the kitchen and look around. They're cute Dean rats, though. <laughs> they are cute rats. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Last week, any time that we mentioned how Sam and Dean look, Eric would just shake his head at us. <laughs> <laughs> There's some eye rolling, too, that happened. <laughs> yeah. I can see Dean being handsome. Sam, I don't know. Sam is cute. Sam's cute. Sam's Here's the thing. Sam is cute. Dean is hot. <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah. yeah. You know, like when I was into dancing, if I did a particular move and the lady said, oh, that was cute, I'd always bum me out because I wasn't going for cute. I was going for hot. And I got cute. Yeah. <laughs> Sam looks like he'd be good at cuddling. That's what I think about Sam Winchester. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, okay. So Dean finds a boiling pot of red liquid and says, please be tomato soup. Please be tomato soup. He stirs the pot and finds some eyeballs. Hot. The boys mm. look disgusted. Dean says, motel hell. Sam goes to look in a window um, of a locked door, which is the freezer, and a man appears. He yells, help us, get out, get us out. 
Sam pulls out his lockpick and Dean yells, hurry up. Sam says, I'm going as fast as I can. There are two men behind Dean. Dean says, there's somebody behind me, isn't there? So we cut to Sam and Dean getting manhandled into the grand ballroom where there's all yeah. sorts of folks milling around wearing name tags. The elephant's man, the elephant man's name tag says Ganesh. There's an older man whose tag says Odin. Callie is there with Balder. So is Baron Samedi. I think I said that right. Dean says, um, who is that? Do you know who that is, Dad? Baron Samedi? No. I think he's like a, like a hoodoo god or something. That's I have no time. idea. Yeah. Dean says, something tells me this isn't a Shriner convention. Mercury rolls up with a serving tray and says, dinner is served. He uncovers the dish and it's the head and bones of the security guard from the beginning of the episode. Then a spotlight shines on Sam and Dean. Balder says, ladies and gentlemen, our guests of honor have arrived. We cut to everyone seated facing each other, including Sam and Dean. Balder says, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming. We're, uh, well, in all my centuries, I've never thought I'd see this. This many gods under one roof. Sam says quietly to Dean, gods? Balder says, now, before we get down to brass tacks, some ground rules. No slaughtering each other. Curb your wrath. Oh, and uh, keep your hands off the local virgins. We're trying to keep a low profile here. Sam says to Dean, oh, we are so, so screwed. Balder says, now we all know why we're here. The Judeo-Christian apocalypse looms over us. I know we've all had our little disagreements in the past, but the time has come to put those aside and look towards the future. Because if we don't, we don't have one. Now we do have to try, uh, that's not what he says. He says, now we do have two, two very valuable bargaining chips, Michael and Lucifer's vessels. The question is, what do we do now? Anybody have any bright ideas? Speak up. This is a safe room. One man stands up. His name is Zhao Shen. Do you know who that is, Dan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never heard of that guy. Um, <clears throat> he says in Mandarin, what do we do? We kill them. Dean says to Sam, oh, I don't like his tone. Ganesh says, kill them. <laughs> Why? So the angels here can bring them back again? Odin says, I don't know what everyone's getting so worked up about. This is just a couple of angels having a slap fight. It's no Armageddon. Everybody knows when the world comes to an end, the great serpent, oh, I can't say this word, Jormungandr, rises up, and I myself will be eaten by a big wolf. Zhao Shen says, here we go. Odin says, oh, yeah, and why is that? Because your beliefs are so much more realistic. The whole world's getting carried around on the back of a giant turtle. Give me a break. <laughs> Zhao Shen says, don't mock my world, turtle. <laughs> Somebody needs to make that into a shirt. <laughs> Don't, <laughs> Don't mock, mock my, my world, world turtle. turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Odin gets up and says, what are you going to do about it? Zhao Shen says, I'm going to send you packing to Valhalla. Odin says, you watch your mouth when you talk to me, boy. Zhao Shen says, boy, I'm older than you. Odin says, no one's ever proved that. <laughs> Sam and Dean get up and try to leave, but a chandelier falls and blocks their way. Callie says, stay. To the other gods, she says, we have to fight. The archangels, the only thing they understand is violence. This ends in blood. There is no other way. It's them or us. Mercury says, with all due respect, ma'am, we haven't even tried talking to them. Callie gives Mercury, Mercury a look, and he starts choking, and blood starts dripping from his mouth. Balder says, Callie, and she stops. Callie says to Mercury, who asked you? The ballroom doors open, and Gabriel walks in. He says, well, can't we all just... <laughs> it was a pretty good entrance. Mm -hmm. He says, can't we all just get along? Sam and Dean try, or Sam tries to say Gabriel, but Gabriel does a hand motion and Sam and Dean can't speak. Gabe says, Sam, Dean, it's always wrong place, worst time with you, mutton heads, huh? Balder says, Loki. Gabriel says, Balder, good to see you too. 
I guess my invitation got lost in the mail. Balder says, why are you here? Gabriel says, to talk about the elephant in the room. Ganesh goes to stand and Gabriel says, not you. The apocalypse, <laughs> we can't stop it, gang. But first things first, he turns to Samadine and says, the adults need to have a little conversation. Check you later. He snaps his fingers and Samadine are teleported into another room. Dean says, okay, did that holy crap. Mm, that's not what he says. <laughs> it sounds like you said, did that holy crap. <laughs> I know, that's what I tried to say. <laughs> Dean says, okay, did that, uh, oh, it says, did that, dot, 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 holy crap. So I, uh, I kind of said it right. Sam says, yeah, tell me about it. By the way, next time I say, let's keep driving, let's keep driving. <laughs> Dean says, okay, yeah, next time. Sam says, all right, so what's our next move? Dean says, I don't know. We grab those poor saps out of the freezer, I guess. Bust them out. Gank a few freaks along the way if we're lucky. Gabriel is suddenly in the room. He says, and when are you ever lucky? Dean says, oh, you know what? Bite me, Gabriel. Gabe says, maybe later, big boy. <laughs> Dean says, I should have known. I mean, this is your, this had your stink all over it from the jump. Gabe says, you think I'm behind this? Please, I'm the Costner to your Houston. I'm here to save your ass. Dean says, you want to pull us out of the fire? Gabe says, bingo. Those gods are either going to dust you or use you as bait. Either way, you're uber boned. Dean says, well, because a couple of months ago, you were telling us that we need to play our roles. You were uber boning us. <laughs> Gabe says, oh, the end is still nigh. Michael and Lucifer are going to dance the La Bamba, but not tonight, not here. Dean says, and why do you care? Gabe says, I don't care, but me and Callie, we, uh, had a thing. Chick was all hands. Well, that's really funny because uh, when she's, I'll talk about her depiction a little later in the research, but she wears a skirt of severed arms. Oh, and good. Of course she also, <laughs> herself, she has eight arms, so all hands. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Back to her. her that's a lot of arms. <laughs> That is. What a fashionista, too. I guess. How do you make a shirt like that? Huh. A lot of fabric. That's the answer. <laughs> it's a lot of fabric. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Gabe says, what can I say? I'm sentimental. Sam asks, do they have a chance against Satan? Dean says, really, Sam? Sam says, you got a better idea, Dean. Gabe says, it's a bad idea. Lucifer's going to turn them, turn them into finger paint. So let's get going while the going's good. Dean says, okay, great. Why don't you just zap us out of here then? Gabe says, what if I could? But Callie's got you by the short and curlies. It's a blood spell. You boys are on a leash. Dean asks, what does that mean? Gabe says, means it's time for a little of that old black magic. And he sprays his mouth with breath freshener. <laughs> Dean says, okay, we're going to take the hors d'oeuvres in the freezer with us. Gabe says, forget it. It's going to be hard enough sneaking you mooks out of here. Dean says, they called you Loki, right? Which means they don't really know who you are. Gabe says, I told you I'm in witness protection. Dean says, okay, well then how about you do what we say or we tell the Legion of Doom about your secret identity. They don't seem like a real pro angel kind of crowd. <laughs> Gabe says, I'll take your voices away. Dean says, we'll write it down. Gabe says, I'll cut off your hands. Dean says, well, then people are going to be asking, why are you guys running around with no hands? <laughs> Gabe says, fine. So we cut to Callie in her hotel room. She takes off her shirt. Then Gabe is there holding a rose. He says, bonjour, mon amour. She says, leave. Gabe says, you always did play hard to get. Callie says, I've moved on. Gabe says, I noticed. Balder, really? 
Callie says, Baldur's uncomplicated. So we cut to Sam and Dean headed to the kitchen in the lobby uh, where they hear a man screaming. Four of the gods have a man held down on the checkout desk. Dean tries to go to him, but Sam keeps them hidden. Sam says, it's too late. The gods kill the man. So we cut back to Callie and Gabe. He's pouring champagne. Callie says, I never took you for the type. Gabe says, romantic? She says, pathetic. Gabe says, you're the one who called me here. Callie says, because I thought you might take this seriously. Gabe says, I am taking this seriously. Ship's sinking. Time to get off. I mean, screw this marble. Let's go check out Pandora. Callie says, it doesn't have to be like that. Gabe says, afraid it does. Callie says, if we fight. Gabe says, you die. Callie says, and what makes you such an expert? Gabe says, I've tussled with these winged ass monkeys once or twice. Callie, no more tricks. I'm begging you, don't do this. Callie, no more tricks. I'm begging you, don't do this. She says, I have to. Gabe says, can't blame me for trying. Still love me? Callie says, no. And then she grabs him and they start making out. So we cut to Sam and Dean trying to free people from the freezer, but they get caught by Zhao Shen, who throws Dean aside and starts choking Sam. Then Dean stabs Zhao Shen with a wooden stake and he dies. Dean says, where the hell is Gabriel? So we cut to Callie and Gabe. While they're smooching, Gabe is reaching for the vials of Sam and Dean's blood on the vanity. Then Callie slightly cuts Gabe's neck. Callie says, you must take me for a fool, Gabriel. You're bound to me, now and forever. And then we cut to a Ghost Facers commercial. <laughs> They do the theme song, and it's the regular team of Harry, Ed, Maggie, Spruce, and now a pretty girl who says, is the intern position open? Harry says, you're hired. (laughs) Who are you? We don't care. You're hired. (laughs) Yep. We cut to the pretty girl filming Ed, who says, see my face right in your little box? Okay, my face has got to be right in your box. (laughs) So we cut to Ed and Harry alone. Harry says, if you're dead, you better stay dead, because if not, we're going to kill you. Then the screen says, Ghost Facers, the web series, www.cwtv.com. Okay, so um, I haven't watched the web series for the Ghost Facers. I think it's funny that they just like shoved a plug in the middle of this episode for it. But Eva sneezing, sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I heard a sneeze that time. <laughs> so I wonder if it's still on the same website or if you have to go to like the CWC to watch the Ghost Facers web series, but I'm totally gonna. And I know Castiel is in a couple of the episodes, so I really I don't know. I like I've I think I've the only like thing I've heard about it is what you've told me, and I haven't watched it. Although I did somehow because it's like on the CW app, right? I think the Ghost Facers web series is no. I mean, like the CW seed is on oh CW's app, I think, but I can't figure out. Like I've tried a couple of times to like do that, but I, I haven't figured out how to work it so I don't know if you have to like watch it online or if you can find it through the app or whatever but okay I'll have to I look do want to watch it yeah me too for sure so we cut back to the hotel ballroom everyone is there Sam and Dean um, are brought in Gabe says to Callie so how long have you known Callie says long enough Dean says to Gabe how's the rescue going to the rest of the gods Callie says well surprise surprise the trickster has tricked us Gabe says Callie don't Callie says, you're mine now, and you have something that I want. She sits on his lap and puts her hand inside his jacket. Balder looks a little hurt. Callie pulls out Gabriel's angel blade and says, an archangel's blade from the archangel Gabriel. 
Gabe says, okay, okay, so I got wings, like Kotex, but that doesn't make me any less right about Lucifer. <laughs> Callie says, he's lying. He's a spy. Gabe says, I'm not a spy. I'm a runaway. I'm trying to save you. I know my brother, Callie. He should scare the living crap out of you. You can't beat him. I've skipped ahead, seen how this story ends. Callie says, your story, not ours. Westerners, I swear, the sheer arrogance. You think you're the only ones on earth? You pillage and butcher in your God's name, but you're not the only religion, and he's not the only God. And now you think you can just rip the planet apart. You're wrong. There are billions of us. We were here first. If anyone gets to end this world, it's me. She caresses his face and sincerely says, I'm sorry. And then she kills him with his angel blade. Ugh. I hate it. Yeah. Mercury says, this is crazy. Callie says, they can die. We can kill Lucifer. Dean stands up and says, all right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Sam says, are you out of your mind? Dean says, I'm out of options. Now on any other given day, I'd be doing my damnedest to kill you, you filthy murdering chimps. But hey, desperate times. So even though I'd love nothing better than to slit your throats, you dicks, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you ice the devil. And then we can all get back to killing each other like normal. <laughs> you want Lucifer? Well, dude's not in the yellow pages. But me and Sam, we can get him here. Callie's like, how? Dean says, first, you let the, uh, blah, 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 blah. Dean says, first, you let the main courses go. Then we talk. We can either take on the devil together or, you're, or you lame ass bitches can eat me. Literally. We cut to the freezer people running out of the hotel. The Dean freezer all people. Away. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's not wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Dean chews them all away. From the backseat of baby, someone says, Psst, Dean, don't look at me. Act natural. Get in. It's Gabriel. <laughs> Dean gets in baby and says, there is nothing natural about this. I thought you were dead. Gabriel says, you think I did Callie my real sword? That thing can kill me. <laughs> Dean asks, then what do they have in there? Gabe says, a fake. I made it out of can of diet orange slice. So uh, <laughs> go shag our blood, would you? I heard you in there. Blah, blah. I heard you in there. Callie likes you. You can get close. Lift the plasma, then wave a moose. Dean says, no, hand over the real blade. Better yet, why don't you sack up and help us take down Lucifer? Gabe says, you can't be serious. Dean says, deadly. Gabe says, since when are you butt buddies with a bunch of monsters? That's all they are to you, aren't they? Dean says, all right, you know what? Sam was right. It's nuts, but it's the best idea I've heard. So unless you have a better one. Gabe says, well, good luck with that. Me, I'm blowing Jonestown. Those lemmings want, those lemmings want to just run off a cliff. That's their business. Dean says, I see right through you. You know that? You're the smart ass show. The whole I could give a crap thing. Believe me, it takes one to know one. Gabe says, that so? Dean says, yes, and maybe those freaks in there aren't your blood, but they are your family. Gabe says, they just stabbed me in the friggin' heart. <laughs> Dean says, maybe, but you still give a crap about them, don't you? Now they're going to die in there with it. Now they're, <laughs> they're going to die in there without you. Gabe says, I can't kill my brother. Dean says, can't or won't. That's what I thought. Dean gets out a baby. So we cut back to the ballroom. Callie says to Sam, so you're going to summon Lucifer? Sam says, sort of. I just need you to squeegee some stuff from my ribs and he'll come running. Callie says, breaking them would be easier. Then Dean busts into the room and says, show's over. Sword's a fake. And Gabriel, he's still kicking. I hate to break it to you, sister, but you've been tricked. So we cut to Lucifer dinging the front desk bell. He says, checking in to Mercury. 
Mercury says, Lucifer, thanks for coming. Lucy says, oh, you did right calling me. Mercury says, it's just the way the talk is heading in there. It's insane. Lucy says, you know, I never understood you pagans. You're such petty little things. Always fighting, always happy to sell out your own kind. No wonder you forfeited this planet to us. You're worse than humans. You're worse than demons. And yet you claim to be gods. Lucifer turns his hand in the air and snaps Mercury's neck. Lucy says, and they call me prideful. <laughs> so we cut back to the ballroom. The lights are flickering. It's Balder, Callie, Sam and Dean in there. Balder says, what's happening? Lucy kills all the other god gods in the hallway. Like full on throwing a tantrum. Yeah, he's freaking out. I kind of like it. <laughs> Sam says, it's him. Callie asks, how? Dean says, doesn't matter. Shazam us out of here, would you? Balder says, we can't. Then Lucy is there. He says, of course you can't. You didn't say mother, may I? Sam, Dean, good to see you again. Balder approaches Lucifer. Callie says, Balder, don't. Balder says, you think you own the planet? What gives you the right? Lucy shoves his, arms through, his arm through Balder's chest and says, uh, sorry, my writing here is awful. Okay. Lucy shoves his arm through Balder's chest and said, um, nope, I don't know what that says. Oh, it says, no one gives us the right. We take it. Then Sam and Dean duck for cover while Callie lights on fire and tries to burn Satan. <laughs> it does nothing, so Lucy punches her. Sam asks Dean, are you okay? Then Gabriel is there. He says, not really. Better late than never, huh? Guard this with your life. And he hands Dean a DVD case. Lucifer tries to face stomp Callie, but Gabriel uses his powers to fling him away. Gabe says, Lucy, I'm home. Lucy goes to hug Gabe, but Gabe says, no, not this time. He helps Callie up and says, guys, get her out of here. So Sam and Dean take Callie and leave. Lucifer says, over a girl, Gabriel, really? I mean, I knew you were slumming it, but I hope you didn't catch anything. Gabe says, Lucifer, you're my brother and I love you, but you are a great big bag of dicks. Lucy says, what did you just say to me? Gabe says, look at yourself, boo-hoo. Daddy was mean, so I'm gonna smash up all his toys. Lucy says, watch your tone. Gabe says, play to the victim all you want, but you and me, we know the truth. Dad loved you best, more than Michael, more than me. Then he brought the new baby home and you couldn't handle it. So all this is just a great big temper, temper tantrum. <laughs> Time to grow up. <laughs> so we cut to Sam and Dean and Callie. She sees baby and says, I'm not getting in that thing. Dean says, just get in the car, princess. So they all get in and drive away. We cut back to Lucifer. He says, Gabriel, if you're doing this for Michael, Gabe says, screw him. If he were standing here, I'd shiv his ass too. <laughs> Lucifer says, you disloyal. Gabe says, oh, I'm loyal to them. Lucy says, who? These so-called gods? Gabe says, to people, Lucifer, people. Lucy says, so you're willing to die for a pile of cockroaches? Why? Gabe says, because dad was right. They are better than us. Lucy says, they are broken, flawed abortions. Gabe says, damn right they're flawed, but a lot of them try but a lot of them try to do better, to forgive. And you should see the spearmint rhino. I have no idea what that means. What's a spearmint rhino? I have no idea. Is it like an attraction that people made? <laughs> like biggest ball of yarn? That kind of thing? Okay. I need I'm to know. Spearmint rhino. Let's see. Spearmint. Rhino. Las Vegas. Ooh. Gentlemen's Club. Oh. It's a gentleman's club? Or there's a spearmint rhino inside a gentleman a gentleman's club. 
that's the first thing that's coming up is spearmint. Hold on. Spearmint Rhino. Yeah, it's like there's different location. It's a chain of strip clubs that operates venues throughout the United States, United Kingdom, and Australia. Okay, so that's not quite what I was thinking. <laughs> that is not what I was thinking either. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, Gabe says, I've been writing the pine a long time, but I'm in the game now, and I'm not on your side or Michael's. I'm on theirs. Lucy says, brother, don't make me do this. Gabe says, no one makes us do anything. Lucy says, I know you think you're doing the right thing, Gabriel, but I know where your heart truly lies. Then we see the real Gabriel is standing behind Lucifer. Gabe lifts his angel blade to stab Lucy, but Lucy beats him to it and stabs Gabriel. Lucy says, amateur hocus pocus. Don't forget, you learned all your tricks from me, little brother. Then Lucy kills Gabriel and looks genuinely shaken up about it. So we cut to the DVD that Gabriel gave Dean. It says, all performers in this film are over the age of 18, have consented to being photographed, and have provided proof of age. Casa Erotica, 13. There's a scantily clad woman on the screen. She writes, Dear Diary, being a high-powered business president is super fun, but so exhausting. Sometimes I just need to relax. I need Casa Erotica. Someone knocks on her door and says, room service. She says, come in. Sam says to Dean, Gabriel wanted you to guard this with your life. Dean says, maybe, maybe he's a fan. It is a good one. On screen, Gabriel <laughs> walks into the girl's room wearing a porn stash. He says, I've got the kielbasa you ordered. She says, oh, Polish? He says, Hungarian. And then they start to make out. Then Gabe turns to the camera and says, Sam, Dean, you're probably wondering what the hell's going on. Well, if you're watching this, I'm dead. Oh, please, stop sobbing. It's embarrassing for all of us. Without me, you've got zero shot of killing Lucifer. Sorry, but you can trap him. The cage you sprung Lucifer from is still down there, and maybe, just maybe, you can shove his, back, shove his ass back in. Not that it'll be easy. You gotta get the cage open, trick my bro back into it, and oh yeah, avoid Michael and the God Squad. But hey, details, right? And here's the big secret. Lucifer himself doesn't even know, but the key to the cage, it's out there. Actually, it's keys, plural, four keys, well, four rings, from the horsemen. You get them all, you got the cage. Can't say I'm betting, you, betting on you boys, but hey, I've been wrong before. And Dean, you were right. I was afraid to stand up to my brother. Not anymore. So this is me standing up. And this is me laying down. Then the porn starts, and Sam closes his laptop in disgust. <laughs> Dean, says, <laughs> Dean says, horsemen, huh? Well, we've got wars. We nicked famines. That's two rings down. Collect all four. Just need pestilence and death. Sam says, oh, is that all? Dean says, it's a plan. They get a baby and drive away. We cut to a station wagon stopping at a mini mart. A very sick guy gets out and flies follow him. He goes inside and starts sneezing and rubbing snotty hands all over everything. Oh, oh it was so gross. The store clerk says, what the hell? It's pestilence. He sneezes on a box of flu arrest and asks, does this stuff make you drowsy? I've got a lot of driving to do. The clerk says, blue ones make you just sleepy. Red and orange ones are okay for daytime. Pestilence sneezes all kinds of goo right into the man's face. Then he leaves and stops coughing and sneezing. He gets back in his car, which the license plate says, sick and tired. As he drives away, his car fills with flies and credits. Okay, so I have some thoughts. So first one, to Dean, like, there is nothing better than pie. Like, heaven does not equal pie to Dean. <laughs> I know. I noticed on his dessert plates that he was grabbing, he didn't actually have any pie. He had, like, other desserts. Right? 
I wasn't. I didn't pay attention to the pl- to the plates so much. I just saw that he was holding plates, but then he was like picking. Like there was a pie that he like picked something off the middle of and just like ate it. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude. Yeah, I only noticed because I was like expecting it to be pie, and then it wasn't pie, and I was like, "What the heck, dude?" Oh, I I wasn't uh, really paying attention to that part of it. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Also, I liked so when he's like trying to like flirt with Collie or whatever at the beginning, like. He got told to, like, dude, chill out. No, uh-uh. And he just was like, okay, and left. You know, like, yeah, that was, what no, a novel he concept. Tried a, <laughs> he tried. He tried a couple times, though. I mean, he did try a couple of times, but he wasn't being, like, obnoxious about it. You know, he was just like, oh, well, but I was just trying to, you know, uh, uh, okay, okay, fine. And he just, like, left. Yeah, that was nice. Like, when does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Not usually. It doesn't happen. Nope, it doesn't <laughs> happen like that in real life. Uh-uh. So I, w- I was proud of Dean for, you know, taking the hit and leaving gracefully. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yep, yep. But, okay, also, like, that's really odd placement for the ghost facers thing there. Like, that was weird. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't really, honestly. like, when they aired the episode, was that, like at the end like right before a commercial or like right after a commercial or something so it like it must have been it must have been because it was super weird yeah i was like were they trying to make it seem like it was the commercial in with the commercials and then go back to the show or something like that yeah like i think so yeah when there's no commercials and it's just the show (laughs) it's a little bit weird (laughs) to just all of a sudden ghost facers and then go back to your back to our previously you know scheduled programming or whatever but although I love to see them I was I was happy to see their faces so oh I like I liked seeing them it was just odd placement it was it was yeah Yeah. it was it was kind of weird but also okay so like when Kali stabs Gabriel with his fake angel blade like how did he fake the grace you know, like, you know, because when they, when they get stabbed and they get killed, like, their grace kind of, like, shines out, right? Like, how did yeah. he fake that part of it? That's what I want to know. I think he's just a master of illusion. I think he can just make whatever, anything look like grace that he wants to. <laughs> I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Leak and Grace. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, like so that was just kind of weird to me. Like I don't understand how he did that, and I don't think we have to. But it was right, right. Me. I think he's just part of his part of his tricks. Yeah, but it was so. Another thing that I thought was interesting. So when you know he starts like throwing Lucy around. Like, to me, mm-hmm. I never think of Gabriel as, like, tough or, like, powerful. Because he's such a goof right. off that, like, every time he does something like that, I'm, like, always surprised by it. Like, yeah, he doesn't, like, show off his power very much. I mean, he, like, sets up, like, whole worlds for people to interact in. But, like, as far as, like, kicking people's asses, he doesn't do a lot of that. Yeah, so it's just kind of weird because, like, I just never really th- think of him as like a tough you know person yeah it's just yeah so also okay was Gabriel the 
in the New Testament, was Gabriel the one that did the Annunciation with Mary? Yeah. Told told Mary. Yeah, that scene was always suspect to me. <laughs> he seems like he's up to mm. no good, or? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's only, like, oh, I don't remember. We went, we looked this up for a different episode for something, and there's only, like, a couple of angels that are actually like named in the Bible. Like we know that there's a bunch of them, but there's only a couple of them that are actually like talked about by name. And he's one of them. And he's the one that like does all of the announcements for like, you know, different things in the Bible. And it's like the, do not be afraid. You know, like I, you know, I'm here to tell you this or whatever. Like that's kind of his role. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Okay. The only other thing I have to say about this episode is that I hate snot. <laughs> and oh I could God, not do, do have a snot I problem. was gagging the whole time. <laughs> I was watching this. I'm just like, oh, God, uh, you know, like, who? <laughs> it was so bad. I know. When I he can't. was like rubbing the goo all over the products oh. in the gas station, that was so <laughs> gross. I couldn't do it. I couldn't tolerate it. I was just like, oh, that is the worst thing ever. I... Like the flies, kind of gross. This snot, throw up. Like that's yeah. immediately where I go. It's like I want to vomit. I can't. I can't do it. Like I, there is so many things that I can deal with, and snot is not one of them. So you know that's like fun. Being in a, being in elementary school during cold season. Oh yeah. Yeah, disgusting. Uh, or Killian's, or Killian's <laughs> preschool. Not that they didn't try and keep that place clean, but like. <laughs> Killian would get sick like once a month with a yeah. new a new thing. So well, that's kids yeah. though. You know, like they all bring whatever they've got going on, and then they all get in like a little petri dish together and just lick each other, and it gets weird. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but anyways, so what were your guys's favorite thoughts or favorite thoughts, favorite moments? <laughs> Unless My you favorite have moment. favorite thoughts, <laughs> yeah. My favorite moment, um, you're not going to like this, was when they went into the kitchen and when Sam and Dean went into the kitchen and there was that pot of boiling red stuff and Dean was like, please be tomato soup, please be tomato (laughs) soup. And he stirs it up and they see some eyeballs. I just really loved that part. I thought that was super gross. (laughs) It is pretty gross. That's not to me, like that's nothing compared to the snot though. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh no. I got a problem with eyeballs. Yeah, eyeballs freaked me out, but I just, I loved it. I loved all about that part. Yeah, that didn't, What was like, your favorite part? Freak me out, yeah. Oh, good. Well, my favorite part was when uh, they started talking about the elephant in the room, referring to Ganesha. Yeah. So I'll come back to that in the research part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never, so, like, okay, I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention, but, like, did we actually see elephant yeah, like Dean walked yeah. by a room when he was EMFing, and he so he wasn't looking in the open doorway, but he walked by it, and there was an elephant, and he like backed up because he was like, "Oh, did I just see an elephant?" And so he backed up, and there was Ganesh, the man. Okay, because so, I I yeah. missed the elephant part. I didn't see the elephant part of it, so I'll have to like go okay. and. Yeah, it was like a split second. Okay, I just like totally yeah. missed it. So like. I mean, I knew that that's what was going on, but I was kind of like, I don't get it. You know, like, what? Mm -hmm. But, yeah. What was your favorite moment? 
Um, I have two. One was don't mock my world turtle. <laughs> yeah, that's and pretty good. The other one was when Gabriel's like, so I got wings, like Kotex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but that just like it just tickled my funny bone. <laughs> yeah, it was great. But yeah, those those are my favorite moments. I I I don't know. I tend to go for like the funny stuff and not the gross stuff. But yeah, I, mean, I usually go for the emotional stuff. But yeah, or apparently yeah, I also I also really liked when um when Lucifer killed Gabriel at the end there, and he looked Lucifer looked like super upset about it. Yeah, like that. It's one of the few times you actually see emotion from him. Yeah. Why did Lucifer have the funny patches on his face? Oh, so he is in um, a a vessel, a meat suit of a guy named Nick, who Mm. isn't his true vessel. So it's burning through him. And so, and Sam is Lucifer's true vessel. Oh, okay. He cannot contain it. Yeah, he's trying to get Sam to say yes because the vessel he's in is deteriorating. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and like Mm -hmm. technically, whoever he like if somebody says yes to him he can possess anybody but they just can't hold him so like he he would either have to jump from meat suit to meat suit burning them as he goes or he could just go to sam and sam was the one that would be able to like hold him without deteriorating i don't think he could just possess anybody i thought it still had to be like vessels that were compatible but I don't know that they ever really say that. So I think later I just, on, that's just what I later on they talk about that because they're. I'm not going to give away spoilers. There's something though okay. that, and yeah. So like, like with any angel, like they can possess anybody, but they just have to be told that they can. So as I long thought as it he, had to be, I thought it had to be specific. Um specific vessels i didn't think it, it could just be anybody no. like it can with a demon i don't th- well i don't know i don't think so from what i remember i think it can be anybody but he just because he's so powerful they can't contain him for very long ah okay we'll have to research that a little bit and see because well, there's a, a later idea. episode where it's talked about it says that okay so okay. we'll have to maybe wait till we get to that but if I'm okay. remembering correctly, it probably happens somewhat soon. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but anyways, so um, our interesting facts from this episode, um, it says the Elysian fields are part of the Greek myth- mythological underworld where the souls of the heroic and the virtuous go. Um, while addressing the gods, Dean says, all right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Uh, This is a direct quote from the 1992 Sam Raimi film, Army of Darkness, the third installment of the Evil Dead series, which that seems like something that you would watch. Have you seen that? Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you had seen it. Yeah. Um, I've only seen Army of Darkness like one time, but it's one of Eric's favorite movies. So it's, um, you're going to have to watch the Evil Dead movies with us. They're hilarious (laughs) on purpose. (laughs) Yeah, they're so good. You're going to love it. Okay. Yeah, I... I've heard you talk about him a few times, but I haven't seen him. Yeah. Yeah. You'll love it. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, this, uh, 
says uh, the spearmint rhino that Gabriel mentions to Lucifer is a gentleman's club. Okay. Um, when the boys discover the hostages in the kitchen freezer, Dean makes the comment of Motel Hell. Um, this is in reference to the 1980 campy slasher movie of the same name without cannibalistic or about cannibalistic motel owners. Honers? Honers. Yeah. I speak it. I thought it was like a reality show for some reason. I didn't know it was a horror movie. Oh, I have no idea. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. You're like the person, yeah, every time I hear like anything about like any horror movie, I'm like, Lynn would know. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't heard of that one. I'm going to have to look into it. Yeah, motel hell. Wait, did you did you say they were cannibals? Uh, yes, cannibalistic motel owners. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you watch it first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Although it says it's campy, so it's probably, which means it's probably not very good. Yeah, I love the campy. Campy is where I live in terms of favorite horror movies, so yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Also, there's a TV show, I don't know if it's still on, called Hotel Hell, where they go around and to these horrible hotels and this guy oh yeah Gordon Ramsay that's that. what I'm thinking of and actually one of them is a hotel the main hotel here where I live in the, the town of Washington which I won't name because uh, don't embarrass them but it was a, a big fancy hotel that had fallen into disrepair and disrepute and they came and tried to fix it oh huh. yeah and it's still not open it's still not open <laughs> wow <laughs> How long that's, ago was this? It was like five or six years ago or more. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> that's Gordon Ramsay that does that show, right? Or am I thinking of a different one? I'm not sure. I've never Gordon seen Ramsay it, so has sure. a show where he goes and he'll like stay at a hotel that is yeah, like really bad. And then he'll like yeah. try and revamp the hotel and then the restaurant yeah, that, or whatever. That was the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've seen a couple episodes of that. It is interesting. He he's an interesting personality. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> he's kind of funny, but like also at the same time, he's kind of mean. So whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to have a conversation he with him. He was quite direct. Yeah, <laughs> I would have a conversation with him, but I would just have my you know big girl panties on. So <laughs> You know, like, I'm not going to get offended. It'll be fine. He might be mean, but whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it says the license on Pestilence's car reads sick and tired. Um, it says that Gabriel tells Dean he's blowing Jonestown, uh, a reference to the notori notorious mass suicide led by uh, the leader of the cult, Jim Jones. Um, there were 909 killed um, with all but two deaths caused by cyanide poisoning. Um, on mm -hmm. tapes recorded prior to the event, Jones and other members referred to the suicide as revolutionary suicide. Um, in Hammer of the Gods, the location is in Indiana, and Indianapolis, Indiana is where the People's Temple cult was formed. Um, in 1977, mem uh, members of the temple moved to Guyana, where Jonestown was erected in an effort to escape the building pressure and allegations from various sources. Um, Many of the members of the People's Temple believed that the promise from Jones that Guyana would be a utopia or paradise. Um, this corresponds with what is happening between angels, devil, the angels, devil, and the gods. Mm -hmm. so. That's where the Jonestown, that whole thing is where that, that phrase, like, don't drink the Kool-Aid comes from. Because uh, they drink. Yeah, they put it in Kool-Aid. They put yeah. it in Kool-Aid, yeah. Oh, no. 
Yep. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> that makes more sense. Okay. Don't drink it. It's got cyanide in it. You're going to die. Okay. That's right. <laughs> um, it says Pestilence is played by Matt Frewer, um, who also starred in the 1994 miniseries adaptation. Um, adaptation. Uh, of the Stephen King novel, The Stand, in which the battle between heaven and hell takes place after, after most of the Earth's population has been wiped out by an extremely aggressive flu. <laughs> hey, yep. sounds familiar. Uh -oh. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> too soon, Corona? Too soon? <laughs> it is too soon. <laughs> oh, good grief. Although that's technically a cold, not a flu. So whatever. Yeah. It's a strain of the common cold that like mutated. But what are we talking about? What is the one on the stand? Oh, okay. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah, it but is. There's a downside to it because you can't. They haven't been able to make a vaccine for a flu. I mean, for a cold, they haven't been able to make a any vaccine for a cold. Yeah. Oh. It's a strain of the common cold. I didn't know that. It's okay. really bad. It's a mutated version of it, but it's not a flu. Right. It's a okay. cold. Um, it said, um, uh, okay, so it says, when Gabriel says, I'm the Costner to your Houston, he is referring to the film Bodyguard starring Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston, which I have, have no ever clue seen that? about. That's where she sings the song, and I will always love you. It's that movie. Oh, okay, let me just tell you right now, for all the I people I know it's that a Dolly Parton song, I know yes. that. For all the people that think that it is a Whitney Houston song, it is not. <laughs> it is a Dolly Parton song. Yeah. Whitney Houston just re redid it. She covered it. Yep. And they're both very good. Job. Yeah. I cannot tell you how many times people are like, oh, that Whitney Houston song. I'm like, it's not a Whitney Houston song. <laughs> it's like <laughs> one of those for me that I'm just like, no. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, it gets I totally me know so you're going there. It's like, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I could I tell. I could see it. You got crazy eyes when I said <laughs> it. Just like, me. Yep. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, that's my little soapbox. Um, so it says, the title is taken from the Led Zeppelin song, Immigrant Song. Um, Pestilence is driving the wrong color car. It was shown his car is a pale green color when it should be white. Um, pale green was the color of the horse that death rode. Um, the horsemen and colors of their horses are cars in the case of the show are as follows. Pestilence is white, war is red, famine is black, and death is ashen or pale green as a corpse. So, huh. in the case of the show, okay. I was like, that's not how it is when it, like, in, because we talked about the four horsemen or whatever. That's not how it is, how it is in the Bible. But in the court, according to the show, death is supposed to be the green one. Okay. Got it. So, um, mm. it says, jokes are the mainstay of the set. Uh, Jared and Jensen glued Denny Erickson to his chair. In turn, Denny used liquid nails on the doors of Jared's trailer while Jensen watched Lookout. <laughs> Apparently, as a stunt coordinator, Denny was a little too serious in the rehearsals, and Jared kept saying, why can't you be more chill? You know, stick around with us, relax, and then came the jokes. <laughs> Who is Denny Erickson? Uh, he's a stunt coordinator. 
Oh, okay. Oh, for, I, I missed that. Sorry. I thought you were talking about um, one of the actors. That's what I thought too, but no. So they glued him to his chair and then Denny continued, or then Denny uh, used the liquid nail glue um, on the doors of Jared's trailer. <laughs> That's messed up. So here's the thing. Did he glue him in or did he glue so. him out? I hope he glued him in. Because if he glued him in, how are you going to be able to like glue the door, shut the door and like have him not know? That's true. So he must have been out of it. He must have been out of it and just like he glued the door shut so he couldn't get in, maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. They do they the, the boys do tease a lot of <laughs> a lot of people on the set. Lots of pranks, yeah. <laughs> um this says Kali tells Dean that humans like you have been slaughtering each other in the name of God. Um this is hypocritical as followers of Kali are the mm, it looks like thuggies, but I know that that's not right. Um, thuggies, thuggies? I don't know. Do you know, Mark, what they're called? Uh, uh, no, not really. Okay. Um, go with thuggies. That sounds kind of cute. I'm going to go with thuggies because that sounds, like, awesome. Thuggies <laughs> um, are gory. Usually they're referred to as agories. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, also, this could be wrong, too, so... Yeah. Um, but it says that they have strangled millions in the name of Kali. Um, the term thug means a violent criminal. They strangle their victims in devotion to their god Kali. Um, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if it is that's true or not, but I don't want to mess with them. (laughs) Um, it says Dean saying we're like the Rockefellers is a reference to the famous Rockefeller family of New York. Um, and the episode features gods from a bunch of different religions. Um, it says, Gabriel says to Lucifer, Lucy, I'm home. And he's quoting from the 1950s TV classic, I Love Lucy. Um, and when Gabriel suggests to Kali that they take a trip to Pandora, it's a reference to 2009 James Cameron film, Avatar. So this week, instead of me doing the research, we're going to have Mark do the research because he knows a lot more about the, the gods and whatnot than either Lynn or I do. So we're going to let the expert go with this one. So I think I want to first, uh, since this is plugging my book, I want to read one of my poems out of my book. Uh, The book's about uh, a park where I've walked for 20 some years and led walks at. And uh, in this park, there are all these various creatures and they represent the saviors, saints and sages of all religions, times and places. And I interact with them and they interact with each other. And so this is one Uh, regarding dealing with gods in general. It's entitled Socrates' Snail. Once while walking on the trail, I stooped to pick up a little snail. Being afraid the bikers or joggers might crush, I was going to carry him to the trailside brush. Please don't try to help, said he. You are so much more powerful than me. Though your intentions are benign, my well-being you are likely to undermine. This reminded me of a few days past when I stood almost in that very spot aghast, having seen my friendly assistance become a bane when a caterpillar I'd lifted writhed in pain. When from webs I'd try to set wispy bugs free, only to succeed in them becoming amputees, or in attempting to rescue a moth or butterfly disturbed their wings magic dust that lets them fly. Then to Socrates' sail I did confess all the poor creatures I'd found in duress, 
but I tried to help in all kindliness, only to leave them in a greater mess. He said, as you are to us, so the gods are to you. None would ask their help if they knew. Injury from the forces used to grant the request can turn the expected happiness into its antithesis. Cool. So, so watch out when you deal with gods. They're power, they're Look powerful. <laughs> and they, they might, uh, might, in trying to help you, end up harming you. So I want to talk about uh, the two Hindu gods primarily that are uh, in this episode. And uh, in Hinduism, there are a whole series of stories about the gods and their interactions with people called the Puranas. And they uh, are myth mythology, and they're stories that they use to try to get across the more complicated concepts of the theology of Hinduism. Kali, sometimes called Durga, is the goddess of destruction. She is the consort of the male god Rudra, who in turn is the destructive aspect of the god Shiva. There are three major gods, three highest gods in Hinduism. The creator, the one who creates things, brings things from nothingness into, into being, is Brahma. And something that's created is sustained for some period of time, longer or shorter. And the god that's involved with sustaining things that are created is called Vishnu. Then there's the god that destroys things that are, and that's Shiva. Uh, but destruction isn't always thought of as a negative thing. For example, once a prince becomes a king, the he's no longer a prince, and so the role of prince has been destroyed. So for there to be any refreshing of the creation, things have to come and go, and there's going to be a destructive aspect. Rudra is a part of that aspect of Shiva that's involved in destruction, and so his consort or wife, Kali, is that also, death or impermanence. And if you think that supernatural has got some bad demons, you should, well, just wait till you hear what Kali's described as. <laughs> Although sometimes uh, depicted as beautiful, most often she's depicted as a naked old hag uh, that's dark because your body is completely smeared with the ashes of the cremation remains. In, in uh, India, people are mostly cremated in these charnel cremation grounds, and, and sometimes the monks smear their body with these uh, ashes. Mm, so that's dark because of that. That's a weird sort of exfoliation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she wears a skirt of severed arms and hands a garland or necklace of severed heads. She's holding a severed head in one hand and she's been drinking blood from it, so there's blood on her mouth. Uh, and she's sitting on top of a corpse of Shiva, but dead and having intercourse with the corpse. Oh man. So this is Kali. <laughs> she's pretty all intense. sorts of bad news. <laughs> yeah, pretty intense lady. But she represents death and impermanence. So uh, not just in terms of death of people and animals, but even anything that isn't considered to be alive eventually decays and dies. So in your own life, it's uh, maybe death and destruction of things that you hold dear. Like uh, I'm pushing 68 now and, and uh, even I do go back to my hometown. My hometown isn't my hometown. It's changed almost 
to being almost unrecognizable to what it was when I was young. So that's mm -hmm. another aspect of destruction that uh, is involved with change. So, uh, and this is considered the main cause of suffering in life uh, to Hindu or a Buddhist is the fact of change or impermanence in life, that nothing lasts. Uh, relationships, uh, ownership of property like buildings or land or, or uh, any possession is subject to change. Even in the Bible, Jesus talks about that as not storing your treasure on earth where rust and moth devour it, where thieves can break in and steal. In that, he's talking about the same issue, which is impermanence, and that you can't rely on that. If you're relying on things that uh, change and are destroyed for happiness, you're going to suffer because everything changes. Even suns and stars and galaxies, all of them grow old and, and pass away. So uh, even though Kali is depicted as a hag, understanding Kali is the most important thing that you can do to gain uh, happiness and minimize suffering in your life. Now, Ganesha also is related to Shiva. Ganesha, the elephant-headed god, is the son of Shiva. And surprisingly, though, he's not really uh, considered his destructive aspect so much. He's more considered to be the uh, being that is the remover of obstacles to one's happiness. But that does kind of segue back into the topic of death. Because, as I just said, the thing you really need to understand is death and impermanence if you're going to become happy in your life. And uh, death, another way it relates back to the show, especially is death being the elephant in the room. <laughs> we all know what that means, the elephant in the room, something that's obvious, but everybody's uh, choosing to ignore it. It's actually taboo really to think much about your own death or to discuss it with others. Uh, but it's something that everyone really needs to take a look at. And uh, so what I'm going to do now, because uh, rather than just stories, I like to provide people with experiences. And I guess that since you're really into this show, you're probably into getting scared a little bit. <laughs> so I'm going to scare you right now. I'm going to lead you on a common meditation. So unless you're driving in your car or piloting an airplane or something, I'd like you to close your eyes so that you can concentrate on this a little more, and I'm going to lead you through a death meditation. Now, in India, they would do this in the charnel grounds where they're actually burning corpses to make it even more real. Uh, we'll just have to go without that added uh, prop there. So the first thing I want you to contemplate is this following fact. My death is certain. Now, everything else in your life is kind of uncertain. You don't know for sure whether it will happen or not, but this is one thing that's going to happen. There's nothing you can do to prevent it. You are going to die sometime. And I'd like you to ponder that until you feel the mortal dread of it. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually, you have to accept it as a reality. It's not just a possibility accept it as the reality. At some point, it's going to happen. 
once you feel the mortal dread of the fact that you are going to die, the second step is that the time of your death is uncertain. Now, most of you people are probably younger than me. Uh, I'm pushing 68. So when I think about that, I think, well, probably 20 years max. And uh, so what I do to help me kind of come to grips with the time of my death is I look back 20 years. What was happening, the main thing that happened in my life 20 years ago? In my case, it just happens to be my daughter Lynn's graduation. She graduated from high school 20 years ago. So I can kind of go back to that and just kind of ponder well, how much time elapsed between then and now. And of course, I feel like uh, it was a long time, but not that long. And then I go, okay, well, what, maybe what if it happens 10 years from now? 77, that's the average age of death for a man in this country. Where was I 10 years ago? And I remember that and kind of feel how long it took for that to go by. And then, okay, how about five years ago? One year ago. I could die in a year easy. And then I keep going. Okay, what about an hour from now? What about right now? I could have an embolism or an aneurysm right now, right in the middle of talking to you about this and fall over dead. There's no way to know. So death is certain. The time of death is uncertain. Now this third one kind of depends on your theology, but it kind of, I like it because it ups the ante. And that is uh, based on your common experience of life, any type of afterlife is a hypothesis. You just don't know for sure. I think even if you fervently believe, which means belief, belief, belief means want, and be to be what you want to be, uh, even a fervent belief, someone with fervent belief might even still have a little doubt about it based on their common experience. So your death is certain, time of death is uncertain, afterlife is uncertain. At that point, which is now, if you're following along, last part is to question yourself, okay, what do I do with this experience? How do I change my life based upon the insights I've got from doing this meditation? And you might come up with things like, well, if I could die at any time, maybe I better have every, every interaction I have with someone and in a positive, more positive way. Maybe the last time I see them or the last time they see me. And uh, you just, I think, tend to make better choices in general in life when you realize how precious the living moment is because there's no guarantee about how long it will be there. So that's the death meditation if you follow along. And uh, it's good to do that routinely reminded of a story from Buddhism called the Three Mountains. This was Buddha speaking to a king and he asked the king if the king had any people that he trusted with his life, any attendants. And he says, oh yes, I have three attendants that I trust with my life. So the Buddha said, okay, let's imagine you send them out into the world to see what's going on and come back to you and, and give you insight into what's going on around you. I mean, this is before there was any media at all, right? And uh, they come back and they say, and they all tell the same story that there are three mountains, flying mountains that are going around squishing all these various cities and civilizations and killing everyone by crashing down on them. And that though they're kind of going in all different directions, they're generally headed in this direction and they're coming here and they're gonna get here. And then the Buddha says, ask the king, what would you do 
then? What would you do with against these mountains? And the king said, well, I would, I would uh, get my army together. We'd conquer them. You know, we have a really kick-ass army, so we'd go after them. And the Buddha says, well, come on, these are mountains. I mean, what are you going to do against the mountain? Imagine Mount Rainier or some other big mountain. Uh, what, do you, what is an army going to do? It's just going to plop down on them and squish them. The king goes, yeah, I guess you're right. He says, so what, what's, your, what's another thing you might try in a case like this? And the king says, well, I'd try to bribe them. You know, I'd give them a bunch of my fortune or a bunch of my land, or maybe I'd give them my daughter's hand in marriage or something like that. And then Buddha says, well, again, these are mountains. They're not interested in that kind of stuff. Really, you don't have anything that they want. They just, uh, you know, there's nothing you can bribe them with. So what's your last thing? He says, well, I guess the last, the last strategy would be I'd surrender to them completely and hope that they'd be compassionate and let I and my people live. He says, come on, these are mountains. Their hearts are made of stone and your whole existence is just a bane to them. They just want to get rid of you. That's not going to work either. So what are you going to do? The king thought about it for a moment and said, well, I guess maybe I take a little more time off and do some things that I enjoy doing. I've been pretty busy with being a king. I haven't really spent much time having fun or doing anything personally meaningful to me. So I would do that. And I think I'd be kinder and more generous with all my subjects. You know, not charge them so many taxes and actually try to do things to help them enjoy their life more and, and uh, suffer less. And I'd, uh, you know, be a lot kinder with my friends and family and everybody. And then the Buddha said to him, I got some news for you. There are three mountains coming this way for you. And those three mountains are disease, old age, and death. There's nothing you can do about them. Few people escape disease in the course of their life, but everyone's going to get old and everyone's going to die. And you don't know when that's going to happen. You don't know when these mountains are going to come. So what are you going to do, King? And the king changed his life in the way that he described, realizing that life is impermanent and you really don't know how much time you have. So even though it's taboo, especially in our culture, to look at this, I think it's very healthy to do so because it helps you keep your priorities straight and have a perspective on life that lets you really feel how precious each moment is. And that's all I had to say. Well, thank you. So this is going to seem really weird after that, but what was your Instagram moment <laughs> for the week? <laughs> My, well, this is, this is the idiot ass butt moment of my whole life. Oh, good. Perfect. Who knows? I may not get a chance to do this again, so I better give you the best one. Uh, as uh, Lynn said, I, well, before retiring, I was a chiropractor and acupuncturist. I had a, a nice office, and uh, it was only a few years into my practice at this time, and I had a new patient, first visit. I was doing my you know, first uh, history and exam, and... I was sitting there, this is a really classy lady dressed in the nines, you know, a little older than me, really sophisticated. And I was in the middle of the exam when I happened to glance down and notice that my zipper is wide open. Oh no! I'm not talking, you know, just a little bit off. I'm talking, you know, completely wide open and my white underwear are, are blaring out, you know, just <laughs> hanging out. So I'm still talking. I'm, I'm trying to. My first 
habitual response was to keep cool and not, not even act like I realized it, you know. And so I keep talking with her and, and she's going along with it. There's and but there's just a hint of a smirk on her face, you know. Trying <laughs> to be like I'm a this uh, you know doctorly type guy, you know. So the whole and back back of my mind the whole time this is going on, I'm thinking, okay, what do I do? You know. I, I know it's there. She knows it's there. It, it's like the elephant in the room again, right? <laughs> Actually, uh, I should maybe shouldn't have used that particular image. But anyway. Oh, no! Oh, no! Anyway, so I'm thinking, okay. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And so I thought, well, I could either just kind of go along with the the elephant of the room thing and just kind of pretend like I don't know and she can pretend like she doesn't notice and we'll go on like that or I could I could stand up and go well I'll just tell you this is what I did I chose the alternate I stood up said excuse me a minute I stood up turned around zipped my zipper up and said so much for a good first impression yeah <laughs> and then we continued and, uh, and then uh, you know I did a treatment and she's supposed to come back and she never did and i don't blame her but, uh, <laughs> that was my idiot ass butt moment of my entire life <laughs> oh man well That's that reminds me one. of yeah that i'm just gonna hop right into mine because it's kind of related <laughs> it's, uh, um, it doesn't fall far yeah yeah <laughs> this isn't what i was gonna say but i was reminded so i'll tell the story um I was in the mall one time. I was probably, I don't know, like 25. And I was, I had gone into a dressing room and tried on some pants. And afterwards I was walking around on the phone. I think I was talking to my cousin on the phone for like an hour in the mall. I look down and my pants are wide open. <laughs> like, like the buttons undone, the zippers undone and the, the, like the corners of the pants are like folded to the side. So you can literally see my whole underwear oh and, it was granny, and it was granny panties. It wasn't cute. Underwear. <laughs> it was straight up like cream colored briefs. So, no great, one though. stopped me in the mall to tell me no one. Maybe they thought it was a new fashion they were trying to set. I doubt it. I mean, I've seen people do that with like yeah. swimsuits for sure. Yeah, that's true. Oh so, God, it was awful. So embarrassed. I would have, yeah. I probably would Literally, I just like ran to the corner of the mall and like hid in the corner and like did my pants back up. <laughs> yeah. so I was like running in the mall with my pants open. <laughs> I, I panicked. I panicked. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to put my pants together in front of everybody. Yeah. Uh, I was just just glancing at my notes, and I noticed there's one thing that might maybe it's just an interesting uh, thought. Maybe uh, I was thinking about Lucifer being the devil, and someone had pointed this out to me before that if you spell the word devil in reverse, it spells lived. L-I-V-E-D, which is the past tense of live, which is death. Oh, yeah. That's kind of fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And also the, the term named Lucifer means the bright and shining one. And uh, yeah. if you've ever read anything about near-death experiences, they almost all describe a bright and shining light. So there's a, uh, also a connection with that name for the devil, too, with death. Huh. Yeah, Lucifer was a very like powerful angel until he fell. And so... They actually, like, 
Lucifer actually isn't a bad name. Lucifer is a good name. It's the devil or Satan. That's the, the bad, you know, that's what he was then called after he fell. So Lucifer isn't okay. actually, a lot of people have like a bad connotation with Lucifer, which I mean, to be fair, okay, you know, but that's not actually a bad, like Lucifer isn't a bad name. It's Satan that, that, that like, was his pre-Satan pre time. Huh? Yeah. Pre- yeah pre-falling <laughs> yeah but, well what oh was your gosh. editor asked that moment so speaking of falling this is just working out so well with these transitions <laughs> okay so steve being the lovely little jerk hat that he is decides so i gave him some flea medicine because you know he needs to have it every once in a while and I don't know if the flea medicine made him do this or what it was, but so we, I, you know, I go to bed, Steve sleeps with me in the bed. So he, you know, he's on the bed, whatever. We're asleep like hour and a half, two hours later, all of a sudden I hear this crashing sound and I'm like, what? And it sounds, cause I live on the second floor. Right. So I'm thinking that like somebody threw something through my window and it broke my window and like, what's going on, you know, cause it was right by my head. Cause I'm not, my bed isn't that far away from the window. I look up and Steve is in the windowsill. <laughs> He went through the blinds into the windowsill, which was the crashing sound, and it has his face pressed up against <laughs> the screen, just like <laughs> howling. <laughs> I, don't oh, no. I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, just like cussing at this cat, like, why are you scared the crap out of me? You know, and I'm like, okay, so I, you know, help him gracefully fall from the windowsill <laughs> in a quick way. <laughs> And so, and then he decides he's wandering around my apartment for like a half an hour, just howling at the moon like he's possessed. And I don't know what was going on, but it was driving me insane, right? And I'm sitting there yelling at him and I'm like, okay, because I thought he was going to go through the window, like the, the screen on the window. And like, that's a long right. fall, you know, and like cats land on their feet. But if that's the, the actual, like he's going to shatter all four of his legs if he tries to do that. So I'm like, yeah. okay. So I shut my window most of the way. So it's only open like... I don't know, maybe like six inches or so. So just because it was really warm and I was, you know, already with the window open, I was already kind of sweaty and I was like, well, okay, whatever, you know, like it is what it is. I don't want my cat to die. I'd rather sweat, you know? And so I go back to bed after he stops his howling spree. And then like two hours later, I feel this like lurch off of my bed because he had jumped yet again from the bed and he's 14 pounds. He's not a little cat. So like, <laughs> he, like I felt the bed like shake a little bit and then I hear the crashing again. He's like, Shh, and I'm like, what in the hell oh, is no. going on? You know? And I look up there and he's in the windowsill again with his nose pressed against the screen, not howling, but like, just like can't get. And I, I think I figured out that maybe it was because when I put the flea medicine on him, it's like liquid and he didn't like the smell. So he's like trying to get fresh air. I don't know. But like oh, he was in the windowsill. And so I, again, gracefully helped him fall a little bit faster this time from the windowsill. And then he starts wandering around the apartment again, howling. It didn't last for as long this time. And then he like got up on the bed and was kind of like oh, 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 at me. And I had to shut my window and sleep the whole night 
with it super warm and sweating because Steve was an asshole and <laughs> couldn't keep himself out of the window. Sounds like the medicine maybe got him high. <laughs> I don't know. He like I think he wasn't feeling quite right. Like he was yeah fine, but I think he might have gotten a little high and was just trying to like air himself out. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't Poor know guy. I like uh-huh. I kind of felt bad for him because at the time I was just like you asshole. Like, what doing and I'm sure my neighbors thought I was insane because the windows open and I'm like what are you doing like what are you doing Steve like in the middle of the night I'm just yelling at Steve for like crashing through the window and I'm just like oh I was so mad so I didn't get a whole lot of sleep the other night because um all the howling and crashing through the blinds that was high yeah (laughs) he was high as a kite if that was the case because he was not having any sort of like (laughs) Nothing that I did calmed him down. He's just wandering around the apartment. Oh my god! You know, it's like, <laughs> for like half an hour, just I don't know what to do. Oh my god! What do I do? Somebody help me! <laughs> like, I tried to calm him down, but it didn't work. But I mean, okay, like I was—he was. He was he was kind of an asshole for keeping me up all night long and waking me up periodically through the night. Like, is it his fault? Probably not. But also, dude, I need to sleep too. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was, that was oh. my, my idiot ass butt moment. So anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can email us at idgetsandassbuttsspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out or visit our Facebook page, Idgits and Aspects, a supernatural podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Idgits and Aspects podcast. Thanks again. And thanks, Dad, for being our special guest. Yes, sure, thank you, fun. Mark. <laughs>